Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Mark Spears, a.k.a. Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Welcome to the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this Sunday night on Halloween. We are officially losers. By we, I mean I am Doug Kazarian alongside Mackenzie Kramer. As we are talking gambling in the NFL. Matt, good to be back with you, man. Hey, speak for yourself about being losers. I had a pretty good day today, and the Jets actually got a nice win. So uh, it was a fun day watching football. I was hoping that uh, I'd still be at the World Series of Poker. I, I, have to, I entered the Colossus this week. Made day two, got knocked out the first hand today. And luckily, since oh. I got knocked out the first hand, I was able to get back home and watch, watch all the NFL games today. All right. Good stuff on that front. So uh, g- congratulations to your New York Jets. And we finally have a notable upset in the Survivor pools. And you had mentioned this last week on the pod that we hadn't seen an upset of an underdog of seven and a half or more points win outright. And we get that with your New York Jets. And I missed the questionable call with the Bengals. What was it? Oh, uh, uh, there was a third down, third down and long. There was a simple tackle. If he just makes a normal tackle, it would have been a fourth down. The Jets be punting back to the Bengals. I believe they would have had two timeouts left, but they called lowering the crown of the helmet as a tackler, basically making a helmet to helmet hit, gave the Jets a first down. Then the Jets were able to get one more first down and ice the game at that point. It was a really dicey call on another day full of dicey calls in the NFL. Yeah. So I want to get into more of the, some of those, the big chalk and how they fared. I want to. Re- Start here, though, with the the game that just ended tonight. Cowboys and Vikings. Obviously, we had significant line movement. It all started Thursday when the news surfaced that Dak's health was up in question. And we weren't really sure if he was going to play. It wasn't even his call. It was more like a precautionary move, given the comfortable lead they have in the NFC East. And uh, I guess, what was it? Two and a half point favorites early in the week for the Cowboys. And then Thursday, we saw some move. The Vikings became favorites of three. And where did we officially close as? Uh, it was four at Caesars. I saw four and a half at lots of lots of places, but four is the official number we're going with at ESPN. But yeah, I mean, you talk about the line movements. We saw the Titans go from road favorites to the underdogs. They won outright. The Cowboys go from road favorites to underdogs. They won outright. Even going back to Thursday night with the Cardinals and the, and the Packers, we saw that line move a lot toward the Cardinals and the Packers won that game outright. So a lot of line movement not going the way of uh, or the, with the other team winning uh, out as a dog in those games. So the, what I talked about all week, once this DAC stuff started, and I really tried to make it a thing, and no one really seemed to understand what I was trying to say, and I made it my best bet this morning, and when it was 51 and a half was the under. So I talked about DAC and, and the shift in the adjustment on the side being significant, and rightfully so, but I felt the total should have come down, just given how you know solid he's been as an MVP candidate from the quarterback position, and Cooper Rush, I mean, give him all the credit in the world for the big win tonight, but... I just didn't feel like the total was moving enough, especially with the, what the Vikings have done at home the last handful of years. Back pre-COVID, the previous three years, they were top five in red zone uh, d- defensive efficiency. A red zone, sorry, I think a third down conversion or something like that. But all four games now at Minneapolis have gone under the total. So the defense just plays much better at home. And then obviously the DAC factor, I thought the total was way high. So we get there with ease. Opening drive didn't look so good. It was 7 nothing, And then the, uh, the second team trying to answer ended up botching things in midfield but nonetheless 
Uh, I was surprised the market didn't move enough, but we got down there in terms of a big number, though. Well, we talked about that game on Thursday because the lines switched from Cowboys to favorite to Minnesota's favorites about well, less, less than an hour before showtime on Thursday. And the one thing I noticed that I brought it up to you guys was the total didn't move at all, which I didn't understand at all because Dak Prescott to Cooper Rush, not only is that a big downgrade, but it also affects the way that both teams want to play. So I agreed with you. I, I bet that line tonight at 49 and a half. I bet it at 51 and a half. I bet that under a couple of times. So I was I was completely with you on that read of the game. I didn't understand why that total didn't move as much as it did. Yeah, I was really surprised and I made it my best bet, like I said, this morning. So big win for the Cowboys. Vikings had every opportunity, continue to botch things. My season win total on the under in Dallas is, you know, up in flames essentially at this point, but it is what it is. So I was Cowboys, by the way, still perfect against the spread, seven and zero now. All the Mike McCarthy criticism, and I am, you know, first in line there. But the guy is a lot of wins, and this year he has a lot of covers. Yeah, and if you look at it, in the last forty seasons, they're the fourth team to start seven and zero or better against the spread. You have the 2018 Chiefs were 7-0, the 2008 Titans were 7-0, and then, of course, the 2007 Patriots went 16-0 in the regular season. They started 8-0 against the spread that year, so that's the kind of company the Cowboys are keeping right now. And one other step that I liked about that game, too, we also talked about with the Jets, is that entering today, quarterbacks making their first NFL start were 0-6 ATS and straight up this season. Their teams were averaging 12.7 points per game. And then tonight you have Mike White and the Jets winning his 11 half point dogs. And then you have Cooper Rush and the Cowboys winning his underdogs. And even Trevor Simeon came off the bench and uh, helped lead the Saints to victory in that game. Yeah, I know. We've been talking about these guys uh, out of nowhere starting this year. And then finally, Cooper Rush gets uh, gets him into the win column. But Mike White, I had a feeling the Jets were live. Let's just go and putting a bow on that game, um, given the Bengals off the big win earlier this year. That's when I used Cincinnati and the Survivor. They survive against the Jaguars on that Thursday night, so a giant flat spot, and obviously the Jets took care of business, but that was just too many points for the Bengals to be laying on the road. Okay, so we've covered a lot of Jets talk. We've, we've met our quota for the month. Uh, let's go to some other games that I found pretty interesting. Uh, just talk about the chalk at first. So we had another backdoor cover by the Texans against the Rams. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Rams up 38 nothing, winning 38-22. to That line was 14.5 for much of the week, but it closed at 16.5, which means that Houston covered that spread. So since 2000, there have been 229 games, including the playoffs, where a team led by at least 35 points, including today. The Rams, out of those 229 teams, the only one not to cover the spread. The only other wow. game where even the team had a 30-point lead and didn't cover, you'll remember this game, was the Jets and the Patriots two years ago. Patriots led 30 to nothing. Jets scored the final two touchdowns on a fumble return on a muff punt, and then a pick six from Jared Stidham to Jamal Adams, who actually caught the ball that time. So those are the only two examples of a team leading a game by 30 and not covering the spread in, uh, since 2000. Yeah, I believe I had the, uh, the Patriots in that game. Also, the Jets team total under in that game. That was a tough one with Stidham throwing. The pick six. Buffalo was really interesting. This was 3-3. The game was in jeopardy, and all of a sudden, they end up covering. How on earth did this happen? They won by 16. Yeah, that was a crazy game in that one. I, I But, I mean, the Dolphins are, are – we talk about the Jaguars. We talk about the Jets. We talk about the Texans being the worst team in football. The Dolphins have to be in that conversation, though. If, really? Really, though? I mean, well, if you look at the line next week against Houston, the odds makers wouldn't, wouldn't agree with that because the Dolphins are laying seven against the Texans next week. But this Dolphins team is absolutely miserable. They've lost seven straight since going on the road and beating New England in week one. 
But this Bills defense is really, really good. Uh, the offense hasn't been unbelievable. I don't think this game really helps Josh Allen's MVP case all that much, even though they do get the win. But that defense has been arguably the best in the NFL all year, and they shut down the Dolphins again today. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about Miami next week in Survivor, but we have plenty of time to sweat about sweat out that decision. I first got to get the Chiefs home tomorrow night, Same and here. that's uh, no layup here. So, okay, so that game was certainly interesting because I was sweating it out. I had a Buffalo in one of my Survivor pools, but just uh, I was keeping an eye on the Dolphins because they shouldn't be this bad. They should not be one in seven, but they are. But there were some other games. I think the big one that we talked about so much during the week was the one in the AFC South with Titans-Colts. Colts jump out 14-0. There was a fluky call in there early that swung things, but ultimately Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, man. The guy turns the ball over, and he did what everyone sort of thought he would, even reuniting with Frank Reich this year. Titans are now 5-0 and ATS this year against teams that made the playoffs from last year. They keep winning as underdogs. They again, We talked about it earlier. They, they were favored in that game when, in the early line. That line switched the, to the Colts minus three, but just like some of the other games, the Titans got the outright win as a dog, and the Titans 6-2 and two this year. I don't think anybody had the Titans have being the one seed in the AFC eight weeks into the season, but that division is basically on ice now, up three games on the Colts with both head-to-head matchups going to Tennessee so far. So Carson Wentz throws the pick, the left-handed pick, by the way, at the end of regulation. But the fact that it was that and not a safety actually worked in the Colts' f- favor because the pick six gave them the ball back and then in a tie game, so they were down seven, and then gave them a chance to force overtime, which they did. And they got the ball in overtime even, but just couldn't do anything with it. And then ultimately Tennessee did. Yeah, and another Ryan Tannehill over in that game. Ryan Tannehill continues to be an over God, machine, with, what a machine with the Titans. Steelers-Browns was a kind of a chic upset pick by some, and that actually delivered plus 180 or so on the money line for Pittsburgh. Defensive battle. Don't overthink it. I talked about it. Uh, Tyler and Joe were on the under. I was on the first half under. It was at 3-3 at the break. Everything got there. 15-10, your final. The Browns just, they've got to be one of the more disappointing teams this season, if not the most. I think KC takes the cake on that, but I think Browns are right there after that. I mean, and I talked about Miami. I think Miami's got to be in that mix as yeah. well. Their win total was, what, nine and a half, something like that in Right, the but people didn't know what to expect with Miami, right? We, weren't, we thought, some of us thought Tua could be bad. I thought with that division, it was basically the Bills were number one. Miami and New England were both flawed as number two. Take your pick, and then the Jets, a distant fourth. I thought the Jets might have more upside if Zach Wilson were good, but obviously he hasn't been that good. But back to the Browns and Steelers game, you mentioned the unders. Unders in Big Ben games on the road since 2015, hitting 76% of the time, 38-12-1. So Big Ben, we always talk about how good he is at Heinz Field. Well, he's not so good on the road, and that, that's definitely showed in the total results in the last few years. Saints and Bucks was a big one when we get to the afternoon. We'll go back to some of the earlier games, but I want to talk about this game because I was on New Orleans. We talked about it all week, what that New Orleans defense did to Tom Brady last year, dominated both regular season meetings, actually fared pretty well in the postseason, but it was the Bucks defense that forced turnovers and really won that game for them. And then you lose Jameis Winston. So Trevor Simeon comes in, Sean Payton takes the leash off the collar, lets him sling it. And some of those decisions were a little shaky, but ultimately Tom Brady was unable to make the right plays. I live bet Tampa Bay in that game. I was feeling pretty good when they cut it to a cut, cut it to a two point game in the in the late, in the middle of the second half, but obviously didn't come through. Bucks are zero and four against the spread on this year, which is a little bit crazy. But 
We talk about the, the on the road, right? Oh, and four so, ATS yes, on the road. Oh, right? four ATS on the road. You're correct. And the the Saints is a home dog under Peyton. Twelve and three ATS, ten and five straight up. So the Saints continue to cash as a home dog under Sean Payton. But this Saints team, kind of a strange team. We uh, if you watch the the mega cast with the Manning brothers on Monday night, Brady talked about how athletic the Saints defense, and it definitely showed up on the field. But the Saints team, I've had a tough time figuring that all year. The basically the way I treat the Saints is if they're a dog, I'll bet on them outright. And if they're a favorite, I'm going to fade them. And this year is an underdog. They're three, and zero outright with all three wins by at least two scores. By the way, I need to comment some of the noise in the background. Just my dog messing around with the bone and things like that. Had to babysit him in here in the kitchen, but he's an underdog. He's a big underdog player. Yeah. Arthur making his snorting as well. And he made a small screen t- uh, debut today, by the way. With his uh, Elvis costume alongside me, so we had some fun with him. I saw your costume. On that air. looked pretty nice today, all you guys on Daily Wager. I didn't wake up that. It was fun. I didn't wake up that early. I just saw the screenshots on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the Macho Man outfit was incredible, uh, and Slater was spot on too. So we had a lot of fun there. But yeah, Arthur's. I uh, feel like he's just feeling the fame early. I mean, it's going to his head right now. One quick, one so last I, thing I, on the I Saints, thought, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so Saints Falcons. The look ahead line next week was five and a half. It's now five. It sounds like Taysom Hill's going to be back next week, but if Trevor Simeon plays, I have to imagine that line might move toward Atlanta. But I, I, I don't know. What, what do you not think as about much. that line? Not that. Not not all the way. Yeah, I mean towards Atlanta, but Atlanta's not going to be. Favorite. Of course not. I would say that might go to like four though, with maybe three and a half. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Okay. I was just disappointed with how Brady played a little bit in that game. Some of those picks, I mean, I know they're fast. I know the defense is good, but, you know, some of that was a little bit of a head-scratching, some of those throws, uh, just because I expect such greatness when he takes the field. Going back to the earlier games, Panthers-Falcons was a game I wanted no part of. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to bet on it. But the Panthers kind of got a win, and the Falcons did Falcons things. And not watching that game, I think, was probably the best solution. Every time, every time I would watch that game, it looked like Sam Darnold was getting destroyed. He took one big hit, and then I think it was either the next play or two plays later, he took a, con- a concussive hit that knocked him out of the game. He had 66 yards rushing, only 129 through the air. But this Atlanta team, now Calvin Ridley's on a on a leave of absence for, for mental health reasons. So Atlanta, I, I don't know if they have enough weapons to, to really keep up with some of these other teams without him. I mean, Tajay Sharp was their leading receiver today. Kyle Pitts didn't do much of anything for Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, that's a big news with Ridley developing. Obviously, we wish him the best on that moving forward. But Falcons dropped to three and four. Panthers back in the mix a little bit. At four and four, Eagles Lions was another game I wanted no part of, but I will say this: the public was backing Detroit, winless yet four and three ATS. Although that week one game, I mean, come on, we really know what happened there. But the Eagles just curb stomped them from the start. Neither of those teams have been favored all year. I wasn't quite sure where to go in that game, but clearly the right side was Philadelphia. Detroit, like you mentioned, was four and three against the spread entering this week. So they, so I guess a lot of people wanted to back them, hoping they get their first win at home against an Eagles team that had been struggling. But this was this was the Eagles team that a lot of people hoped that they would be entering the year, finally showing up uh, in week eight on the, at Detroit. So Detroit goes to four and four, and we'll we'll see where their first outright win could potentially come on the schedule. Some people were circling that one. It did not materialize, unfortunately, for them. I thought 49ers-Bears was a sneaky good game. I was just saying, I said on air this morning, I was like, my gut just tells me the Bears are going to get it done. We know Shanahan in the favorite role doesn't really deliver. He's terrible at home favorite, but I thought they'd get there, and they eventually did, but it was certainly a tight game back and forth. I was excited. I was just excited to see that the Bears had a pulse on offense because that was one thing that we hadn't seen any. We had seen 
very few signs of life in that Bears offense, but they finally let Justin Fields run the ball today at 103 yards on the ground, including that highlight reel 22-yard touchdown run. But the 49ers offense played very well today. Elijah Mitchell on the ground. He, he looks like a late-round steal going after Trey yeah. Sermon in the draft, getting 137 on the ground today. Debo Samuel, along with Cooper Cup, one of the fantasy MVP candidates to begin the year. So big win for San Francisco on the road in that one. Yeah, Louis, uh, where is he from? Louisiana, right? Yeah. Elijah Mitchell? Correct. Louisiana Lafayette, Wait. Raging Cajuns. Actually, just called He's them another, Louisiana. Uh, They're no longer Louisiana Shanahan Lafayette. Shanahan find in the draft, for sure. So, at, then the afternoon had some interesting games as well. Uh, Patriots-Chargers, uh, one of those higher-profile games. Uh, Patriots with the upset. They go to L.A. and win like they did, what was it, a year ago, but much different situation. Uh, they had a blowout shutout win last year. This one was nip and tuck. But the Pats delivered, man. They... We weren't sure what to expect. There are three wins before this game were two against the Jets and one against the Houston Texans where they nearly lost. So as well as they've played in some of those losses, like to the Cowboys where they should have won, like to the Bucks in that high-profile game with Tom Brady's return on Sunday Night Football, I didn't really know what to expect with the Pats. I had to take the points in like a pick em, but I wasn't going to bet on them. But today showed me something. I think this Patriots team couldn't make the playoffs, and I'm, I think my uh, – I think my Bill Belichick coach of the year tickets got got a little life today. I, I could see that with Belichick coach of the year tickets. I haven't looked that closely at the at the Patriots schedule. I know they've already burned both their matchups against the Jets and already won against Miami, but New England, to me, like I mentioned with the Saints earlier, the New England's a team that I want to back as an underdog, and I want to fade them as a favorite. I don't trust them to put up a lot of points unless they're playing a really bad team like the Jets. But as an underdog, I think they'll be competitive. I think they can keep a lot of games close. We saw it against Dallas. We saw it against Tampa Bay. And we saw it again today when they get the outright win in L.A. When you blindly say that and the dog roll all back, why is that? I mean, I know it's better to get points than lay points. But why these particular teams? You mentioned that with the Saints as well. Um, I just th- I think both of these are... Both of these are more run-first teams. I don't think that they're trying to blow teams out. I think they're they're just happy to get a win and play and kind of play a closer game. And I don't think their offenses are really explosive enough to put up the 30, 40 points that you need consistently to cover big spreads. I mean, if they're favored by two and a half or three or something like that, I'm not as worried about that. But I don't really want to be taking the Patriots if they're laying like six, six and a half. I think Belichick is fine to get a three-point win as much as a as a 25-point win. So that's kind of my logic with those two teams. And I mean, with the Saints has definitely come true with the Patriots not quite as much that might just be more of a feeling on my part but that's kind of how I feel about those two teams well yeah and it's new era right now obviously year two post Brady with Belichick much different situation uh with the Pats not going to playoffs last year maybe on the outside looking in this year uh one of the other afternoon games I was on the dog of the day with Washington they were in the mix but Broncos this was a good spot for them I I just thought it was a a good chance for Washington to get back on track but the back-to-back roadies Second game being an outsuit in Denver kind of did them in. But the Broncos, you know, that was this. They needed this. They had to snap their losing streak and get back in the mix. I heard another podcast, and I, and I kind of agree with that, that the, that the Broncos are kind of the gatekeeper of the NFL. Like, if you're a good team, you'll beat the Broncos. If you're a bad team, they, they'll take care of business against you. And that was, again, the case with Washington today. Denver the litmus test. I like that. I mean, that's what early in the year, they won their first three games against awful teams and they lose four in a row against good teams, play another team with a losing record. Washington one and seven ATS on the year right now. And they get the cover 17, 10, despite Denver doing everything they could down the stretch to try to blow that game. I don't know if you saw the uh, Denver's final possession when they were trying to kill the clock, but 
First down, fumble. Oh, yeah. Recovery. Oh, yeah. The fumble. Second down, incomplete pass. Third down, fumble, lost, giving Washington every chance to tie up this game. But uh, Washington, Washington could not get it done. Yeah. Which team could screw up less was going to come away with the win. I saved this one because Geno Smith gets, gets in the win column finally after losing to the Saints and then also the Steelers. Uh, Seahawks all over the Jaguars. Man, Jacksonville's pitiful. There were some people in my survivor pool that took in Seattle. I was like, man, they got stones to do that. That, that, was, a, that was a gutsy play, a little risky, but I like it. Seahawks improved to three and five. Jags one and six now. Uh, Seahawks cover the four points, and I don't know what to make of this Jags team now because I obviously like Trevor Lawrence at times, but they stink. Oh, yeah, they are, they are terrible. They are firmly in the mix to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't really know, or what possibly the worst team in the NFL – I don't understand what Urban Meyer is doing down the, down the stretch either. They kick the extra point to make it 24-7, which whatever, that's fine. You know, the game's out of reach, whatever. I can accept that. But then they go for the onside kick right after that. Like, to me, the logic doesn't really make sense. You either go all out for the win or you try to go home. I, I don't understand what they're doing, but I don't really understand a lot of what Urban Meyer is doing over in Jacksonville. Though uh, you mentioned Geno Smith. Last eight starts in the NFL, eight and zero against the spread. So make fun of Geno Smith at your own risk. Yeah, yeah, he can't. He's a cash. He's the new uh, like Bridgewater. He's going to replace him. All the ex uh, quarterbacks. Twitter follower exactly tweeted me. He goes, "What was the money line parlay payoff of the Jets slash ex Jets quarterback parlay?" So you had Mike White winning outright today. Sam Darnold in Carolina. Geno with Seattle. Simeon with the Saints, and then Bridgewater. With the Broncos, a five-leg money line parlay, and I actually did the math on the old parlay calculator, seventy-seven to one. So if anyone was thinking Trevor Simeon might get in with an injury and did that ahead of time, uh, that is certainly a nice payday. But a very fun, co- you know, thread for all those five victors. Too bad the Jets couldn't. Uh, too bad Joe Flacco couldn't start somewhere else, so he can get a win this mm. week too. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I'm trying to think of any other Jets that are out there. Josh now, were you saying out of the off, NFL, Mark Sanchez? Were you saying off there that all five of those guys covered too? Yeah, no, they all covered. Wow, so that's what twenty to one. I, I didn't look. I didn't look it up. This the uh, ex-Jets quarterback parlay used to be your thing. I didn't, no, I didn't five leg parlays are twenty to one. Fours are ten. Threes are six. Right? We know. That. Yeah, you're right. I'm talking about money line parlay. Okay. you're right. Oh, right. The money line. No, the five leg money line parlay was seventy seven to one. So well done there. And uh, did we miss any games? Uh, I think that was the last one, the Seahawks-Jags. It was the first one that ended in that afternoon slot. It moved right along. That went under. So the public, right? We talked about it. That was a headline the last few weeks. The public had won the last three weeks, especially two of those weeks was real big against the house. But uh, I felt like unders cashed a little bit. I felt we had enough underdogs winning outright. Um, that was some of the, you know, all you need is, so, I mean, like like the Bengals losing outright. That blows up all these parlays, right? You need sort of one piece to unlock the puzzle. Oh, for sure. And but to, just to recap the week, uh, underdogs went nine, four and one against the spread entering Monday night. They're now hitting at a 55 percent clip on the season. This was the first winning week for underdogs since week three, though. It had been kind of close to 50 50 since then. Underdogs also went eight and six straight up. So a winning outright week for the underdogs as well. So the money line parlay is probably we're not doing so hot this week. Road teams, eight, five and one ATS. Nine and five straight up, 63 and 58 on the year. So road teams, five games above 500 outright. And uh, overs and unders both went seven and seven this week. So not a whole lot to report there. So Purdom tweeting out a few hours ago, quote from the bookmakers, this has been our best Sunday of the season to date. 
There you go. So nice bounce back. Nice bounce back for the house, right? It's always good. Uh, it's always good to know that when I have my good weeks, it, it tend to be when the house has their good weeks. I like to be on the side of the house whenever possible. It's usually a smart approach. It's just hard to do that and pick all the uh, spots and get plus one ten. So, so who knew? Geno Smith eight no ATS in his last eight starts covers it. Eliminator. Obviously, the Bengals losing first big Jenga piece to come out. We'll see what happens with the Chiefs tomorrow night, but it'll get interesting now. Moving forward in the coming weeks, we have Monday Night Football. I'm on the over. I know I need Chiefs and Survivor, but I just like, I think the Giants will get their points, even though some key players will be out. Daniel Jones is 10 and 3 ATS as a road dog. The Chiefs' offense will bounce back after last week. Um, Mahomes already passed concussion protocol. He's good to go. I think the three point effort was an anomaly. They'll be back, but I also think their defense is going to be back and their defense stinks. So I'm expecting an overplay, even though we got a big number in the neighborhood of 52. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can't take the under, that's for sure. If I'm taking any side on the total, it would be on the over. I would also lean the Giants on the side, though. I don't think I'll bet that just because even though the Chiefs have been so bad against the spread recently, it's so hard to uh, to fade Patrick Mahomes. The one play that I'm probably going to make is uh, Daniel Jones on his rushing prop. I saw 21 and a half. He's gone over in five out of seven games this year, and the Chiefs allow the most rushing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks this year. So that seems like a nice prop for me. But that's that's the main uh, that's the only play I've made so far on the Monday Night Football game. All right, man. Uh, early look at next week's card. You know, you got a you got a couple double digit favorites like we normally do. Got some road chalk. Got some short home favorites. You know, it's a it's a typical NFL Sunday card. Chiefs laying three against the Packers. That's probably the marquee game right now. The Packers, wow. Aaron Rodgers as an underdog has been pretty good recently. So we'll see how that goes next week. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, you t- we talk about the good games. We have the worst game of the season next week with the Dolphins and the Texans. Dolphins laying seven in that one. They are the first team that is one and seven or worse to be laying a full touchdown since 1976. So that's something we don't normally see is a one and seven team laying a touchdown. That's the beauty of these numbers, and it just provides context, right? The historical context and some of these numbers. I love it. Like, I'm not crazy about some of these stats that are more a byproduct of the schedule. Like, hey, the five double-digit favorites in week two, the most we've ever had. I mean, I know that speaks to some of the disparity early in the season, which usually takes a few weeks to take shape. But stuff like that, that is awesome. And you mentioned the, the note we had with the Lions, right? First team to start 0-7 to be above 500 ATS, like just the third team ever. So things like that is is really awesome. So that's a very interesting stat. Miami one and seven, but laying the full touchdown. That's how bad Houston has looked. I'm gonna I think the Texans have like barely scored in like two thirds of Davis Mills' starts. It's like let me just gonna read you the output of points. Five, three, zero, nine. I mean you're looking at single digits. So yeah, you can cover big numbers against this uh, Davis Mills led team 45 and a half was a total in that one I, I the under in that one stood out to me when I first looked at the numbers and what you're telling me is uh, helping me lean that way even more all right my friend that does it for me you got anything else to add before we uh wish goodbye I wish good luck to our uh to our listeners uh not a whole lot if, if I a couple other uh stats that I had planned up the Rams Close 16 and a half, what we mentioned there were the third team in the last 20 years to be 15-point favorites in back-to-back games. The other teams to do it were the 19 Patriots and the 2007 Patriots, though the Rams didn't cover either one of those games. And then uh, with the Bengals, they hadn't been favored by that many points on the road since 1982, 11.5-point favorites, and they lose outright. So Bengals going to bangle on the road when, uh, when, everybody's on, when everybody's on the Bengals. That's when uh, things go wrong for them. We talked about it on radio this morning of these big favorites. Who do you feel less... You know, most worried about it. it was definitely all sense. He was like, this is not good. They're on the road. This is not good coming off that big win. 
All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Daily Wager Extra podcast alongside Mackenzie Kramer and my puppy Arthur, who's now snoring in the background of this taping. I am Doug Kazarian. Remember, Daily Wager, conventional pods in and out in 10 minutes, Monday through Friday. We also have the football pod on Thursday. Mike Clay and Anita Marks do one on Friday as well. That's Daily Wager uh, Extra, I believe. I'm not really 100% sure, or bonus or overtime, something along those lines, but a lot of good content out there. And, of course, Stanford Stephen the Bear for college football. And we will see you back Tuesday, Daily Wager, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Yeah.